you all are looking at two miracles today. One, this is Resurrection Sunday for most, and this is certainly my resurrection story of how God delivered me from dead works to serve a living God. And another miracle is uh, I've got a twin sister, and all of our life we've been so bashful. We never went nowhere, and so we didn't meet a lot of people. And uh, when our aunts and uncles would come every once in a while to visit us, we lived in a big house, had a long driveway, and we would see them coming. We would run and hide behind bushes. Uh, we were so bashful. And another time, when we were out of high school, in one year of college, we both worked at a big Texas gas corporation that's in Owensboro, Kentucky now. And the same guy that hired us, we had uh, coffee breaks in the morning. And so Kay and I would go down, and we wouldn't talk. We sat there and just talked to each other. So one day, the guy that hired us called us to his office. We thought, wonder what we've done. And he said, if you two don't get to talking, I'm going to fire you. <laughs> so we got to talking. And uh, as most of you know, my name is Le was Leslie Faye Bennett, and I'm married to Leonard Wayne Lanham now. On April the 18th, 1964, 55 years ago this past Thursday, I was saved September the 23rd, 1973. I was 30 years old. And twice before that didn't count. And I won't tell you about it because one is too embarrassing. And uh, in 1978, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. Before that, I persecuted this. It was of the devil. And Trent and I was trying to find, you know, she was trying to persecute it too. She didn't believe it either. Then one day I received it. And right after that, the Lord spoke to me. He speaks to me often, gives me dreams often. And this time he said, look unto me, and I will cause you to come to full bloom. And I wrote that over, over there. And for a while I did that. My mother said, she, I don't know what's wrong with her. She's a different person. And then eventually, in through time, I was dead. I was a dead flyer. And... Uh, 1914 to 2009, 19, five years to be exact, I was in the pit. And February the 8th, 19, 2019, I'm moving on for Jesus now in the right way by God's grace. There are some parts of my story that I would rather have left out but I know God can turn a bad story into a good purpose. And God can give me the courage to tell others about how he has healed my broken places, the ones that have been brought on, lots of them, by my own decisions. And I'm so thankful today that he rescued me from the dead to serve a living God. And what happened... Uh, and my life after I become wasn't alert as I should have been. Uh, the last day of the seminar in Knoxville, Tennessee, uh, I don't know if Brother Tom or Brother Guthrie was preaching one of them, was 
And uh, you know the story in the Bible how uh, the New Testament, the day of Pentecost, uh, the disciples were in the room waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. And when it came, it sounded like a mighty Russian wind. And so the last meeting of the seminar, before it was over, before we stood up to sing, uh, and I remember that day quite well, there was an older woman sitting beside me, and her name was Ruth. She was from Wisconsin meeting, and she was sitting beside me. And so Leonard was sitting on this side. I was sitting here, and she was sitting there. And so I was sort of turned away from Leonard watching this sermon. And anyway, all at once, like a mighty rushing wind, I could feel it and hear it. The Holy Spirit left me. It just come up and left me. And the Ruth was sitting beside of me. She looked at it too. She felt it too. And she turned around and she just looked at me. Like, what, what happened? What's going on? So anyway... I felt guilty all the way home. And I kept asking the Lord, why? Why did the Holy Spirit leave me? So um, I did go, I didn't tell Leonard. And I did go to church the next Sunday with guilt. And he always parks down there way far end of the parking lot, or used to. And um, so on the way from the parking lot to the front door, uh, the Lord spoke to me. There is recovery for the sight of the blind. And that was my hope. It was in Luke 4, 18. I didn't take communion that Sunday, wear my head covering, and company come that afternoon to visit. We had been praying for somebody. Uh, this person asked me every once in a while how they were doing. And I said something I shouldn't have said. I could have said it in another way that didn't put this person down. Then after that, I knew I couldn't come back. That was, that was it. I told Leonard I couldn't come back because I had missed the mark. I had crossed the line. He said, well, I think if you just come back, you can get your faith back. And I said, no, I've done cross the line, missed the mark. I cannot come back. The Holy Spirit's done left me, which I didn't tell him. So anyway, I began to ask the Lord, why, why, what was wrong with me? Why was I blinded? So he began to show me over time some of my deliverances I needed. And uh, in the meantime, when I didn't come back, people were so good. Leonard couldn't get me to come to church. So he said, I'm going to have Brother Tom to come and talk to you. You want him to? And I said, I'll just wait a minute, wait a bit. So he kept asking me, and um, I decided to please him and let Brother Tom come and talk to me. Well, he come over that day, and I told him what I said. I'd done something I shouldn't have said, which is gossip. I could have said it another way. It would not have been gossip. Anyway, he told me about... Catherine and Martha Tiggle, how they had missed it in their back. You know, I could do the same thing. But I did not tell him about the Holy Spirit leaving me. I couldn't do it. And then uh, the next thing, one morning, Brother John Songer gave a book to Leonard to bring to me. It was called Grace Abounding. It was to the Chief of Sinners by John Bunyan. 
And I read that, and I was so thankful that he got his life straightened out and got back with the Lord. And then Mrs. Hamilton gave me a book called God, uh, Jesus Calling. And then uh, I read it for a little bit and put it down because I knew I was out of it. I was doomed. And then uh, Lindy, she gave me a book, Choose Grace. And uh, I read a little bit of it and put it down. I hid all these books. And um, then people uh, were so nice uh, in the church. Uh, Kendra painted me a picture and had scriptures on it, which I hid for a while. It was very pretty. And Rebecca Kinsey, uh, she was so sweet. I was so surprised. She came one day, <clears throat> and she gave me a painting by Janelle Martin. And it says, nothing can separate us from the love of God. It was really pretty. It was a, a oil painting or watercolor painting. It was so pretty by her. And um, another time, <clears throat> I thought it was Erica out in the car. We saw somebody out there getting out of the car. I said, oh, Erica's out here. But I looked again, and it was Rebecca Kenzie, and she brought me some gluten-free cookies, which I um, thanked her for. <clears throat> and I had the privilege of meeting her the other day and thanking her personally. And then uh, Jane Hartman one day come with a big poster, you remember? And uh, so Larry said, do you want to put it on your refrigerator? And I said, well, I guess there wasn't any place else. Covered almost the whole of the front pitch, uh, refrigerator with a vowel verse on it. So uh, after a while, I got tired of it. I knew it didn't mean nothing. And Larry said, well, you want to take it down? I said, yeah. He said, what do you want to do with it? And I said, garbage. Sorry. <laughs> Wished I still had it. And then um, people keep giving me cards in the mail. I keep getting cards in the mail from different people several times. And people at church would tell Leonard, they would say, tell Faye hi when, they, when he was leaving church. And that meant a lot to me. And then... Um, this is one time that a friend of ours, we've known for a while, he was helping Leonard come over and was helping Leonard do some work that day. And uh, I knew this guy's life was not right. He wasn't right with the Lord. And uh, I don't know where Leonard was at that time, but he called me and he said, come here, come here. I thought, what is he going to tell me? And he said, don't you know the scripture says Forsake not the assembling of yourself together, as some are. And I said, yes, I do. And that's all I said. And I thought, hmm, about him. <laughs> and then one day Trenda come by. And she, she'd come by, and it was on a Sunday morning, and I, was, I always wanted to listen to live streaming and hear the testimonies. For some reason, that was my desire. And she invited me, and she said, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm watching live stream. And she said, well, I'll go and come back another time. I said, no, come on in. So she come and sat down and talked with me, and she asked me to go out to eat with her one day, which we did. And uh, then she asked, she was having uh, Friday night prayer meetings at her house. And she said, I want to invite you to come to my prayer meetings on Friday night. And I told her, no, I couldn't come because... That was Friday night was our date night, and I wasn't going to leave Leonard by himself. 
And she accepted that. And then one day, a surprise come to the door. It was knocked on my door. And it was uh, Brad Winters, Trenda's son, Darla's brother. He come to my door. It was so sweet. And he brought me a book called Morning Thoughts. And it was so good. And uh, Leonard's reading it now. And then uh, one day, Stella, Wayne, Jeremy, Julie, and Stacy Ruth came to see me to talk with me. And uh, several, Stacy came back several times to talk with me. And then um, Kendra and uh, Jen come over after church several Sundays, and they would come, tell me, sit on the couch, had their Bible, going over scriptures, which is too late. And then finally, one day, Leonard told everybody he couldn't do nothing with me. He told everybody to just leave me alone. Only God can bring me back. He knew by experience because he had tried to know, tried to bring me back several times, and just just to leave me alone. I know. Then some people called and said, uh, "What are you doing today?" Well, I didn't do much in this time because I was out spiritually, mental, physical, physically, and emotionally. And uh, I remember Star had called me here once in a while. Monica had called me here once in a while, and. Uh, they were checking up on me. He might have told them I was doing nothing. So anyway, um, and they would say, are you doing any sewing today? You know, I used to sew. Are you doing any crafts anymore? No. And no. Uh, so uh, I was glad when, when they didn't call. And they would call and tell us and tell Leonard, that we need to get out of the house. They need to take Faye out of the house, get her out of the house, just go somewhere. Even last year, uh, Chris told me, you all need to go somewhere. You need to get out of the house. You need to take your trip. They said, on vacation, cruises, we've been to Hawaii twice. They said, you need to even go back to Hawaii. And I felt like doing nothing, nothing. And then... Uh, uh, all those books that people give me, I, I hid, and but I go back to want back to them every once in a while, trying to find hope. And this one particular book called "His Princess Love Love Letters from Your King." I was his princess, and he was a love letter, giving me love letters from him. And so I kept going back to it to this one page. And uh, I don't know why I kept going back to it, but it was it was personal. And I want to read it to you, and you keep it in mind because it has uh, the rest of my story at the end of my testimony today. And it said, uh, "Forget the former things; do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing." All have sinned and fallen short of my glory, so why won't you forgive yourself when you fall? Don't you know that I will pick you up when you call out to me and repent? There is no wrong that can keep me, your king, from, me, from redeeming you back to your royal life again. Read my word, my love. Many of my chosen ones make mistakes. Just as I have given each of them a new start, so I will do the same for you. 
This is a new day, and I am ready to do a new thing in you. Now let go of your guilt, and trust me to work out what went wrong. Just watch me make you into the person I called you to be. I am the God of second chances, and my mercy endures forever. Love your king who removes your guilt. But I, I miss the Holy Spirit. He took it from me. <laughs> anyway, I kept wondering why, why I had missed it. You know, I know this was the devil. The devil is real too, and he knows scripture, and he can talk to you too. This I well know. But the Lord just led me to the parable. I was reading the parables of the fig parable of the fig tree, where a man planted a fig tree in his vineyard and came seeking fruit on it and found none. Then said to the keeper of the vineyard, Look, for three years I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and found none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? But he answered and said to him, Sir, let it alone this year until I dig around it and fertilize it, and if it bears fruit, well. But if not, after that you can cut it down. And that was very long-suffering. So... After the fourth year, um, the Lord was giving me another year to get it together. And um, after the fourth year, I still had no fruit. I felt no fruit and no hope again. And uh, now I'm going to tell you the deliverances the Lord showed me from time to time in my past life where I missed it. Now, remember Brother Cherry Canaver, we used to have house church in our home. And uh, I remember him saying one time, when you're in a trial, uh, there's a reason why. It could be just your faith. Uh, God's testing your faith to just hold on. Or is God trying to show you something? Or, you know, like a sin, which, you know, I wouldn't get back with the Lord if I was sinning. Uh, or do I need deliverance from evil spirits that are sinful? Well, the Lord began to show me some of the things I needed deliverance from. I remember before we moved here that Leonard and I sat down one day in our living room floor and he went through all the deliverances of the sicknesses and diseases that our parents and grandparents and the ones we knew had had. And so um, one of the things he delivered me from was a religious spirit. Another was a self-righteous spirit. And I was proud at times. The Lord showed me that. I was critical at times. The Lord showed me that. I was gossip at times. The Lord showed me that. I point out other sins. And, um, which I shouldn't give all the details. And um, since I've come out of the pit, I've realized I've had a hoarding spirit. Too much stuff in the house. And uh, <laughs> Way too much. <laughs> uh, judgmental at times. Like I would compare our church to other churches, which wasn't good. And then the Lord showed me I had a lust spirit. And um, uh, I was lusting after some more time with Leonard. And the Lord told me that was lust. I should have had 
something, been doing something myself instead of lusting after him. He had his own business. He had to work at night to prepare for the next day. He taught here. He taught at Glenwood. And so he was busy lots of times. And uh, so I am asking the Lord to heal all my backslidings. He has started the work in me. And um, I can tell you later that praise God for his mercies that are new every morning. And uh, oh, I had a jealous, the Lord showed me I had a jealous spirit too. I was jealous and envious of people. And I remember Brother Tom taught on the gifts of the spirit one morning. And I thought to myself, Starla has 10 spirits. I mean, 10 gifts. What do I have? I have none. I didn't know none. Not it, not, no. <laughs> and so I became envious and jealous of her because I didn't know what my gift was. And so uh, the religious spirit was, uh, we want, uh, the Lord show me later, when we have that spirit, we want to shape people to our will and uh, not God's will. Like, like uh, do it my own thing and not let God shape other people. I wanted to do it myself. So, after Leonard told me, after I told Leonard I wasn't, I couldn't come back to church because of what I had said, because I had missed the mark across the line, he didn't know what to say for a minute. But he said, everyone can be forgiven if repent. He didn't remember anybody in the Bible that had crossed the line and missed the mark. Well, I thought I remembered somebody in the Bible that did that, but I didn't know who. So I started to look and couldn't find it. And I finally found it. Um, it's the story of Esau. And the Lord just impressed on my heart to read the story of Esau over and over and over. And I know this was the devil. And he's trying to get me to read the story of Esau. So... Uh, I started reading it, and God said, Jacob, I love. Well, I have a twin. He was a twin, and I knew that wasn't right because I knew God loved us both. And uh, then I read the story of the older shall serve the younger. Well, my sister was born 20 minutes before I was, and you know what she called me growing up? The leftovers. <laughs> she did. And so, uh, I have told her since, uh, you know, in my day and time, that would have been calling bullying. I told her this after I got out of the pit. I would have been called bullying, and you could have been in rehab and detention center for a while, and maybe you could have been in prison for the rest of your life. But now, since we've got older, uh, 20 minutes is older than me, she is the older, older woman. So I told her that. Hi, older, older woman. She's listening today. <laughs> um, so, then uh, on with the rest of the story about Esau. For you know that afterwards, when he would have inherited the blessing, he found no place of repentance. Though he had sought it carefully with tears, he had crossed the line. Well, that's exactly what I did. So my three things in the pit was the Holy Spirit left me, I had no fruit after four years, and I'm like Esau, I had crossed the line. 
And after that, um, let's see. Now I'm going to tell you a story of me in the pit and what I did and how I felt in the pit. Uh, the Lord reminded me. You know, on TV, uh, I used to watch, we watch the news. And uh, anyway, it tells of all the evil people to kill, murder, abusive to children, abusive to animals, abusive to pro property. And... Uh, I thought, I'm going to be in hell with them one day, just like them. I'm going to live with them forever and ever and ever. And then one day, uh, this thought came to me. Most people in my shape would have committed suicide. They wouldn't have wanted to live another day. If you're going to be in hell, why live any longer? And the thought came to me, and anyway... Uh, Suicidal rates are in my family, especially my mother. Uh, she had a hard life, and one day she tried to commit suicide, and my daddy, they were at a reunion, family reunion. She had a hard life, and uh, he looked around, and she was in the middle of a pond, and he had to go get another man, and they went in the um, pond and got her out. And she had to spend uh, several times, several uh, weeks in the mental institute. And um, I didn't want to commit suicide. I wanted to see my family. I wanted to be with Leonard. I wanted to see my children, my grandchildren. I wanted to see who they married. I wanted to see their children. So I didn't want to commit suicide. And so um, anyway, one day during this time, uh, Leonard was preaching, and I remember the devil brought it back to my mind. He said, uh, one day Leonard said, uh, the worst thing that could happen to me in my life is I woke up one morning, and uh, I was still here, and the rapture had come, and Faye had left. And, uh, and I thought, that's not true. Now I wake up, one morning he's gone and I'm left. And the devil told me, told me that I'm still in bed. I know. Uh, I thought to myself, oh, I thought to myself, Lord, what am I going to do if Leonard's gone, gone and I'm left? Uh, I'd be overwhelmed with this big house. Oh. Uh, it looks small, but it's got four bedrooms, three baths, two kitchens, two living rooms, a big yard, three-car garage, uh, dining room. I don't know what to do. I wouldn't know what to do. I'd be so overwhelmed. So I started praying, Lord, Lord, please let me die before he does. I don't want to be overwhelmed. I said, I don't even know how to put gas in a car. <laughs> and so, anyway... This is Leonard's reaction during the pit. Of course, I told you before, he kept us coming saying, if you come back to church, your faith will come back. Like brothers Tom used to say, act out your faith. And uh, I would say, uh, well, not yet. I didn't want to tell him about it. The Holy Spirit left me. And at times, 
he would boldly say. He was with me for the most part, and he was very good. But boldly he said, uh, I hate going to church without you, and I hate not sitting beside you, so all this guilt come back. And uh, and then from time to time, he'd ask me again, you thought anything about coming to church yet? Not yet, I'd say. And uh, one day he was dressed in a suit. Um, and uh, I always, we, he'd come back home and take me out. We'd go out for Sunday lunch. And so I always got ready before he left so I could listen to live streaming. And one day, I still had my hair rollers on. Uh, and so uh, he said to me, are you ready to go to church? And I said, looking like this? I said, I still got my hair rollers on. He said, yes, you can go with me. Wasn't that sweet? And I said, yes, but the church would throw me out. So I didn't go. Then he was taking, always taking notes and gave them to me and everybody's testimony. Uh, so I wanted to hear what, what everybody was doing, how they were. And so uh, some of them he didn't, on this side, he said over here and on this side, he couldn't hear all of them. So um, one morning I asked him that, uh, he said, well, I didn't write all of them down. I didn't hear them. I said, well, so-and-so gave a testimony. You didn't hear it? He said, no. And boldly he told me, if you want to hear the testimonies, you come to church yourself. So I made up my mind I wasn't going to ask him about testimonies anymore. And the next next meeting, he'd come home and start giving me the testimonies again. So that didn't last long. And uh, I forgot to mention that one of the things that people did... Uh, while I wasn't at church. Uh, one day I met a guy out in public. And Leonard always liked to dress up on Sunday morning because that's the only time he dressed up like he was going to a wedding because he dressed casual the other times. And uh, one morning I met this guy out in public. And he said, young lady, you better get to church. Your husband looks awful nice today like some woman was going to steal his heart. Hi, Wayne. <laughs> and then um, another time, uh, Leonard was sat here, and they always saved me a seat with my name on it, a blank a piece of paper nobody could sit there. They were believing I was coming back. And then, let, then I think it was Karen Lynette, Lindy, and Sue Nolan. And so um, Lenny told me one day, she's my silly sister anyway. And uh, hi, silly sister. She's watching. <laughs> and uh, she said, if you don't come back, church, I'm going to start sitting with your husband. <laughs> and uh, I was like, oh, that's my silly sister. And anyway, she told me again, if you don't get to church, I'm going to start sitting by your husband. And uh, one day, uh, 
uh, I told Leonard, I said, well, you know what I'm going to tell her? I'm going to tell her that if she listened to the Spirit of God, or to test the spirits, God says, if she listened to the Spirit or if she listened to her flesh. So I told her that. And so, uh, anyway, she said, well, everybody knows I'm just joking. I said, yeah, but it's on live streaming. They don't know. They think it's an evil. That's the evil appearance of evil. So she did that. One day she did that, and I was watching it, and after it was over, she looked, looked at live streaming, and she went past Karen Lynette, and she went over and put her arms around Leonard and hugged him and waved at me. <laughs> I've told her that, and she told me I could tell it. So, anyway, after five years in the pit with no hope, well, when nothing else could help, love lifted me. On February the 8th this year, it's on a Friday, the Lord spoke to my heart, and he said, um, you remember this book, what I read you? Okay. I am in control of all things. I was in control of Carolyn giving you that book. I was his princess, and the love letters he gave me from that book was from my King Jesus. And I repented that day on Friday and forgave myself. At that moment, there was no more guilt. And uh, all through the t uh, years in the pit, Larry said, well, why, why don't you forgive yourself? I said, I have. There's no refreshing. The Bible says when you repent, there's refreshing will come. I said, the refreshing hadn't come. I hadn't got no refreshing. So that day, just as soon as I prayed, all this refreshing come back. I was refreshed. No more guilt, nothing. And um, then, um, oh, another thing I did while I was in the pit, uh, I loved sleep. I didn't have no guilt when I was asleep. So I slept at night um, when the Lord gave me a good night's sleep. And uh, y'all ever know this book? Well, Leonard got to reading that, and he showed me how to do it. Well, there's nothing wrong with working a puzzle like this. Brother Thomas told Leonard he kept a crosswood puzzle on his desk, and uh, he worked it kept there. He said, this sharpens my mind. I keep my mind sharp. And so uh, I began doing this, and it was so addicting to me, and I loved doing it. I did it most of the day. And I remember... Uh, one day at the grocery store, this woman behind me, I had this book, and I was fixing to put it on the counter. She said, oh, my, I do not get that book anymore. I got so addicted, I worked it all day long, and I did nothing. And so I can't get by it anymore. I said, yeah, I know what you mean. And another day, I was checking out at the store. The checkout lady said, oh, my mother loves this book. She said, she's an older lady, and she don't get out much. And she says, it sharpens her mind. So, uh, Leonard would ask me, uh, sometime he would say, well, let's go somewhere. And I said, no, I don't feel like going anywhere today. 
And so one day he said, uh, well, I'm going somewhere tomorrow. You think about it. I'll go where I want to go, and I'll drop you at the mall. You need to get out. You need to get you some new clothes, which I had plenty. I couldn't find any because they were all old tops and, at that time, short skirts. And I said, I'll think about it, and I'll let you know tomorrow. Well, I'd already thought about it. <laughs> and so next morning he said, well, are you going? I said, no, I, I don't feel like it. And so um, I was glad when he, he said, I'm going. And I said, I was so glad he was going to have his me time. And I had my me time working his puzzle all day long. And I remember working it. One day I counted the times I worked at 13 puzzles in that day. And during that time I did um, uh, fix our breakfast. I cleaned the bathrooms. I cleaned the clothes. And uh, I did a few things. <laughs> And he would do a lot of things. I was sick, and uh, I don't know where my testimony was. Let's see. Oh, anyway, I've lost my notes on that. Um, there was about five times I was really sick during this time. And uh, one of the times... He had the flu really bad, and the next day I got the flu. And he said to me that night, he said, if I'd known you were going to get the flu, I was going to give you the flu, I would have went and checked in a hotel so you wouldn't get the flu. Sweet husband. And then there were several other things. Um, during that time, I woke up one morning, and I couldn't move. I could, it was so much pain. It was worse than any childbirth I'd ever had. I had so much pain I couldn't get out of bed. And he had to help me get out of bed several weeks. And um, then finally I could get out of bed by myself. But I couldn't turn my head to the right or to the left. And uh, just sitting there eating breakfast with pain all day long, pain. And then finally it got uh, maybe a little bit better. And so uh, I wanted to get my hair cut that day. And he said, I'll take you. I'll go take you. He was always my helper. The Bible says a woman's to be the husband's helper. Well, I felt like he was more of a helper to me than I was to him. But he's got the gift of helps, so and I needed it more. And uh, so he said, uh, I said, no, I'm going to try it myself. So we live on this on the street and you turn down and go to another street and it's very dangerous because there's a little hill going up and you have to be very careful to watch the traffic. We've seen two accidents since we've been there, uh, bad accidents. One woman ended up sitting in our yard, thrown out of the car, and she couldn't move until the ambulance come and took her off and later I found out she just had a, what's it called, a whiplash in her neck and she got all right. So anyway, he said, you be very careful going out. Because he knew I couldn't hardly turn my head. And when I did drive, I'd have to go this way or that way and look for the traffic. So this morning, that morning, he was sitting on the front porch. We like to sit on the front porch sometimes. And uh, so I pulled out. And that car come flying over and almost hit me. And I thought to myself, I hope he's not watching. 
And when I got home, first thing he said was, did you know you almost got hit? <laughs> and uh, so I'm thankful today. Uh, throughout my life, I can remember times that uh, God saved me from death through accidents, through people uh, almost getting killed. Even one time since I lived here and uh, spared me from death. And so, anyway, uh, when I was in the pit, uh, uh, I wanted to see everything I read in the Bible about hell said fire. And so uh, I wanted to um, see what else the Bible said about hell. So I asked Google. I didn't want to get in commentary. I didn't have time. And so I asked Google. Google knows some things. And so um, here's a word he described about hell. Fire and brimstone, furnace of fire, judgment by fire, fiery oven, lake of fire, eternal punishment, pit of darkness, flames of fire, burning wind, and unquenchable fire. And I thought, that's going to be me the rest of my life. And he gave a scripture. He gave a scripture um, of each one of those words found in the Bible, and later I looked them up. I know. Let's see. And then um, all my healings that I needed in the pit, some of them God has healed. I'm living for healings from the top of my feet, to the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. And so uh, some of them God has already manifested. And um, uh, one day I found this book in the basement. Uh, this is my favorite book. I know everybody has their favorite book, but this is one of my favorite books. So Rick and Chris, uh, they lived there for four months. And Holly and Garrett lived there for six weeks, I think it was. And they found this book, and Jennifer and Wesley and them would come and stay there. So they found this book under my cushion, couch cushions. And I asked each one of them, did they leave this book here? And none of them had seen it. And I know today that God supernaturally put that book under my couch for me to read it. And God has healed me spiritually, and I'm believing he's going to heal me physically according to his word and his grace. And now, then since I've got out of the pit, I got back with the Lord. I got joy in my heart, joy for morning, noon, and night. Um, these things come to my mind. Uh, but he endures to the end shall be saved. My life wasn't over yet. I had to endure to the end to be saved. And uh, I remember Brother Tom and Brother John both saying in their messages that uh, persecutions are coming and that the end time evil people is going to get worse and worse. And uh, you know it says in the end time some are going to fall away from the faith. Well they had to be in the faith to fall away from the faith. And uh, so anyway uh, I am thankful now that the Lord took the Holy Spirit from me 
because that was my refining time. I would not have known my deliverances if I had not known this. And I, uh, it is good for me that I have been afflicted that I may learn your statutes. And uh, I'm believing God to heal all my backslidings, which the Word says he will do. For I will restore to you, this is what I'm believing, in Joel 2.25, I will restore to you the years that the swarming locusts have eaten, the crawling locusts, the swarming locusts, and the chewing locusts. And then I read this on a devotional book one morning. And it was a reminder what I had to keep doing after I come back with the Lord. And he was uh, saying this, or this, he was a pastor, or, and this is some things he saw in people. Instead of seeking the Lord first and spending time with God each day, he saw many people seeking after money, seeking after their careers, their children had first place, seeking after power like a, a political system, seeking after fame, they seek after hobbies, they watch TV all the time, they're, in, uh, they're on the internet, I know, or they want friends to fellowship with all the time, or sports, sports they uh involved in sports and they have no time for God. And I remember Billy Graham saying one day, sports is okay, but not first place. And people go on vacations and they travel all the time and they spend no time with God. And then I heard a preacher one say, this was a guy we knew back in Owensboro. And we knew his sons and his children. And anyway, the man, the man passed away. And he had a deceitful spirit. He had a problem with women. And so his son preached his funeral. And he preached a salvation message. And I thought, why is he preaching a salvation message? Does he think his dad's in heaven? And at the very end of the message, he said, "There is, if he were to come back today, he would tell people that there is a life to live. I'll never forget that. And then I was reading, uh, I checked on uh, the Christian Post every once in a while. And no. Uh, I heard this man say, he goes around to different churches and preaches, and he said, I see people dressed and ready and go to church on Sunday morning. But he said, I don't see many people ready for heaven. And I thought, we have to be ready for heaven. We have to have our wedding garments on, and that is holiness unto the Lord. And he didn't see that. And I know that will stick with me for the rest of my life. And now, then we don't know what God has prepared for us because in 1 Corinthians 2, 9, it says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those that love him. And now, I know uh, evidence of Jesus is alive today. I can say, because I know he lives, because he lives in my heart and all that loves him. And that's uh, me included. And um, I would like to close for prayer now. Bobby's going to sing, come up, sing a few songs. And so um, I wrote this prayer down. It was some, some of the words are from people that prayed after they got out of the pit. 
And so that's what I was wanting to say. I was one day writing it all down, what I wanted to say. And they said it in a better way than I did. And some of it's for me and some of it's for them, but it's from my heart. So I would like ask you all to bow your heads and close, close your eyes while I read this. Father, I thank you for your mercy, your grace, your compassion, your love, your patience, and your long-suffering with me. Lord, I rejoice that you are changing my life. You turned around what I couldn't. I want to live out in the fullness of your spirit. Show me how. I thank you that nothing is ever wasted in our life experiences. The world says, just forget about it when it comes to our past struggles. But you say, just use it. Be fruitful. Show me ways that I can use what I have gone through to help other people. Lord, I pray that you will make me fruitful in the land of my suffering. In Jesus' name I pray.